Welcome to Songwriter Trysts, an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee. Music saved my life and I want to talk to other songwriters about the power of songwriting, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. To support the podcast and follow our journey, you can find us on songwritertrysts.com. Welcome to a songwriter tryst with Michael Tinholm. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to be had. So I like to start every single podcast by getting you as the artist. Tell us a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Well, I'm a recording artist. I'm happy to say that I have music on the radio and around the world and a bunch of different formats on rock, Mm -hmm. pop, adult contemporary country, uh, Latin jazz. I've been at this... Uh, derivation of my career for about 10 years now. I was discovered by the producer and bass player for Ray Charles, Tom Fowler, 10 years ago back. And since then, I'm happy to say I've been uh, recording music constantly. And my music catalog is growing and uh, I'm very happy about it. Having fun. Oh. That's the most important thing. Happily. Yeah, I'm happily having fun. Yeah. So how did that happen with with Tom Fowler? You said you were discovered by him. What, What happened? I had a small commercial music company here in Los Angeles, and my sister Beth asked me to record some, quote, normal music for a change. And, and, <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> yeah, well, instead of jingles and commercials for Mercedes Benz and, you know, little, you know, okay. little sound design and that kind of stuff. So she, she asked me to record something for her. And, and so I recorded the little Christmas CD called The Lost Christmas Card. The, the guy that was pressing the record button was Irvin, Irvin Magic Kramer. He was uh, Ray Charles's um, engineer and on his recording team. And uh, I, was on, wow. I was on the third take of uh, singing Make Someone Happy. And I look over at him and he's got, you know, kind of tears running down his face. And he, he said that I had to oh. pursue a professional music career. And he introduced me to Tom Fowler and... And I've been recording ever since at the very top of the game with the best musicians in the world. I couldn't be more pleased or more happy. Wow. That's that's incredible. That's the universal God saying, this is what you're meant to be doing and we're going to make you do it by putting you in with these people. That's beautiful. How did you get into music to begin with? Where, where does that journey start? Who inspired you? What made you decide to have music as a career? I think music has always been an escape for me. I I can remember mm. being enthusiastically singing music when I was like six years old. I was an army brat mm. and we traveled all over the world and all I really had was music. And f- fortunately, my, my parents were great uh, enthusiasts of music and had a great ear. They were, they loved Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, the great music of jazz. Oh, so yeah. I grew up listening to that. I also grew up listening to international music being stationed all over the world. And yeah. at some point, I, great, I, I, I gained this ability to be able to copy the singing styles of almost anyone I heard. And, and that happened at a pretty young age. My mm. formal music trained, training started pretty seriously around six or seven and eight with piano. And that was hard to keep up being an army brat. Yeah, it would be. I can really, I wasn't an army brat, but my, my parents were missionaries. So I travelled all over the world as a kid and it, it's isolating because you don't get to just make 
a friend and like hang out with that friend every day at school or you're constantly being thrown in with people that you don't know. I was really shy. So I think I think I kind of relate to that connection to music as just being a stable. But yeah, it is hard to keep up. Every time we travelled with my parents, I ended up coming back. I'd learned a different instrument. I don't know about you, but... I- I always went back to piano, but I liked trying different things. I think we might have that in common. I think I think traveling as a young kid can make you kind of more worldly, if you will. It can, it can grow you up faster because, you know, you're yeah. you're isolated as a kid and you only have your, yourself to count on. I, I found that in myself, at least. People stand at the makeup on his face. And they laughed at his long black hair and his animal grace. Boy in the bright blue jeans jumped onto the stage. A lady stardust sang a song of Dr. Sanders' grace. how big the world is and I've got children now and they'd have no idea I mean they've been to the UK once you know like they, they haven't really experienced much of the world outside of my family but it yeah when I, when I was their age I was you know in, in Africa and orphanages with kids who had nothing you know and to see that at, at a child's age I, did, I didn't appreciate it at the time but you know when you've seen things like that when you're younger and like you would have seen with your dad it's a different experience I don't know if it's good or bad or anything like that but it's just it's a different experience that's going to influence you and I'm interested to see how that's impacted, you know, your career and your attitude towards your work. Well, I think it gives you empathy, you know, and perhaps sympathy for other people's situations to be thrown into situations like that. I can remember seeing bombed out buildings and, and you know, the scars on the earth were still there from World War II. I mean, you know, how many decades yeah. later was it, you know, and then yeah. seeing people uh, in here in America, in the South, especially that, that were struggling socially and financially, you know, I think that had an impact mm-hmm. on me. I remember when I was, we were traveling from base to base, the Ku Klux Klan was taking pot shots of people on the freeway in, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think these things opened my eyes to the world a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's not nice to have to talk about, but at the same time, that is what the world is like. And to be influenced by that as an artist, you can't help but have that influence what you're doing as well. When did you start writing songs? Do you remember when the poetry and the lyrics and the melodies started pouring out of you? At a pretty young age, I was I was fortunate to be supported musically by my parents. It was kind of a crazy household, but Music was the one constant that was supported. I, I played my professional gig at, I think it was 12 years old. But as far as songwriting, I, wow. I think that became, that began even earlier, began even earlier on. I was a big fan, of course, mm. John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and, and yep. uh, you know, wanted to do like everyone wanted to do what they did, you know, and 
songwriting was such a, a good part of that. And uh, yeah. I was very inspired by John Lennon. I can remember playing a gig when I was 12 years old at the Four Muses, and I actually sang John Lennon's uh, Working Class Hero and and yeah. Mother and all that stuff. So songwriting and has been a big deal for me. I think I've always written lyrics. I probably got a file with over 1,500 pages of lyrics and uh, that I've written through the years. Would you say you're more of a lyricist or is it the melody that comes first? What Do you feel like you separate the two and you feel like you're, you're more inclined to one area of your songwriting? Well, as an instrumentalist, I think that's always, you know, a big influence. But, you know, with lyrics, I almost feel like it's cheating because with lyrics, the music really writes themselves. You know, you know, the music. That's a talent. though. (laughs) Yeah, the music either fits the lyrics or it doesn't. And most lyrics, when you hear them sung over a melody line, you're just going, yeah, that works, you know, and nothing else would have worked, you know. Yeah, maybe. And that maybe that means you are more of a melody person because I can relate to that. I had a friend at university who would just give me lyrics and I would just sing it without even like as I was reading it for the first time, I would sing it for the first time. And just insert the melody where it was meant to be because, like you said, the the lyrics tell you where the melody should be. But I think that's a gift. I don't think everyone has that ability to to hear the melody in lyrics. I think I think it's you know I think again I think it's empathy. You know I think songwriters, the art of songwriting, is really about humility and being open and accepting. Mm. I've written songs. Yeah, it comes through you. I, I've written songs by overhearing other people's conversation. I, you know, uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I overheard <laughs> this conversation of this, and I was had my back to her. She was a woman breaking up with her. I don't know, with a husband or a boyfriend. But I only caught I only yeah. caught her part of the conversation, and that ins- that inspired mm-hmm. a song I'm writing now called "The Sad Conversation," where you hear one part of the the breakup. And the other part is the music responding. You know, the music plays the part of the other party. So, you know. I love that idea. It's amazing. It's a beautiful concept. Well, we'll see if it works. (laughs) You know. know, I'll I'll keep an eye out for it. (laughs) Everything is experimental. And that's what I love about music. Everything. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to. Give it a go. Yeah, everything is a new experiment and, and a new angle of things, and that's what I love most about writing and recording and music. Do you do much collaboration as far as co-writing? Or I mean, I can see from your bio that you've worked with some absolutely incredible musicians. What's your process with a songwriting and collaborating and getting the song to, you know, online or wherever we listen to it? How does it start for you? Do you like to start in a group or...? Is it just use first and then go find the people that need to finish it? I think as a songwriter, it's a solitary experience, but I love collaborating with other people. I've had the fortune mm-hmm. of collaborating with Mike Garson, you know, David Bowie's piano man for over 45 years, yeah. you know, and that's a fun experience. I've had people, you know, submit lyrics to me to write uh, music to. I love that experience mm-hmm. because now you're trying to, you know, walk or live in another person's shoes from their perspective. So it's almost like mm. being an actor. It's a, it's a character I wouldn't have played. And I, I love mm. that experience. It's so new and fresh and, you know, it gives you the permission to be someone that you would have never been in the first place, you know, and musically. Yeah. But as far as collaboration, music is collaboration. When you get in the studio, I mean, I, 
I've had so many visions of songs and arrangements of songs. And when you get in the studio and you have all these great musicians there, you know, it, it takes on a life of its own. And uh, that's also a wonderful experience about music. You don't really control it. It's, it lives on its own, hopefully. No, that's a really, that was a frustrating, frustrating lesson for me to learn. (laughs) I think I definitely tried to control a lot of my life. And then when I wanted to go into the studio and get something, it just never came out the way that I wanted. Still great, still beautiful music, but not how I guess I imagined. And so that, that's a difficult thing as an artist to let go of that control and let it be what it's going to be because there are other people involved unless you do everything everything yourself. But I don't know that many people that are so talented that they can produce and play every single instrument and sing and write and do, you know, do everything that needs to be done to get a good track out there. It's, and the ones that are... That's a challenge. And the ones that are good at it are, are great at it. like, of course, Paul McCartney. And Paul yeah. McCartney can go in the studio and, and play every instrument there is to play. And it comes out fantastic. And, uh, you know, but then I... He doesn't need anyone But I also, I love, you know, George Martin produced the hell out of Paul McCartney. And, you know, I mean, I just, I, you yeah. know, I, I think there's, there's that word again. It's humility and it's giving yourself over to the process, giving yourself over to a producer. I, you know, it's like I... I, I I had the fortune to have worked with Gary Novak, one of the greatest drummers that ever lived. And, you know, mm. it, not a very smart idea to tell Gary Novak how to play drums. I mean, he's been playing it all of his <laughs> life and knows more about the subject yeah. than I ever will. You know, it's Tom, Tom yeah. Fowler, who, who was an original member of Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention, and then went on to play with Jean-Luc Ponty, and then, of course, Ray Charles for 12 years. I mean... I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell, you know, Tom Fowler how to play bass, you know, and when it comes to their parts, you know, as a singer, it almost feels like being embraced by these guys because they really know what they're doing with their thing more Mm -hmm. than, than you would ever would, you ever would as a musician or, or as a songwriter, as a singer. And there's, there's something, it is, it is, it's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. So, Tell me about your your favorite experience that you've had so far. Like I know that a career is built up of lots of little achievements that we just have to keep going. But is there one that kind of has just meant a lot to you that you've always held on to? I really think that having a friendship with uh, Mike Garson, you know, who is such an icon in the world of music, especially as a piano player, and, mm-hmm. and the music that we made together, that's been a high point. I think to have it appreciated by people have it played on the radio you know to get to get mm-hmm. feedback from people to you know you know i think that's really the wonderful thing you know because that's why we're doing it we're doing it we're doing it to connect with someone you know perhaps to express something that can't be said with a spoken word and, and you, when you make that connection with someone a listener an appreciator of music there's nothing better than that I couldn't have said it better myself. I love everything you just said and I think that's probably the trailer for your podcast because that is what art is. It's all about the connection with other people and, yeah, it's it's a mystery that doesn't need to be, to be solved. It just needs to happen. We can just enjoy it. Well, you know, it's also can be quite nerve-wracking too. 
<laughs> you know, you know, it's extremely vulnerable. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, you put something out there in the world and, you know, you, you've, you've not only have you involved yourself in it, you've, you've paced over it. You know, it's like you've given birth to something mm-hmm. and now it's like, now it's in the other hands of people, you know, and what they decided is, you know, that's, you know, I was told by mm-hmm. someone a long time ago, never labor yourself as an artist, that's for other people to do. And I try not to do that. I try. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's probably a good line. Yeah. But it's, it is challenging to let go, but it's, it's, you got to, got to let go of the ego. Cause if you do, that's where the pain comes in. I think when, if you're still holding on to that ego and then people start to judge and change your art to fit what they want, your ego is going to get bruised no matter who you are. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think um, the world is a tough place yeah. too. I think people tend to be Cynical. I mean, if you walk into a room and say, "This is going to be the greatest thing," what do most people think? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Sure. Uh huh. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And then you, you'll do something just for fun, and it'll be like your number one hit song. And then, <laughs> well, I'm waiting for that because you just, yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for that. I, that actually. <laughs> I actually had that that experience for the first time on Wednesday this week. I had a fun song that I just released for a friend and is very budget and it went number one in Australia. So wow, that's really There you go. You, you never know what's going to happen. Well, okay, well, <laughs> maybe I should join your band. Yeah, well, maybe I should get a band. <laughs> I'm still at the process of trying to find my team like you've got here. Like, you know, these producers and musicians that you're working with is, is inspirational. It's it's incredible. Tell me, what would, what would you say the best advice is that you would um, give to someone who's just starting out in the, in the industry? You know... I think artists hate to hear it and especially it's tough in the music business, but you can't forget it's a music business, you know? Mm. And I think that can cause a lot of misery for people. And uh, because we, what do you mean by well, that? Well, we as artists, like we, as, we as artists want to do our own thing. You know, we're drawn to what we're drawn to, you know, I mean, you know, you know, you know, Salvador, Salvador Dali probably look at his paint. This is the best thing I've ever done in my whole life. Now, I may look at the same thing he's done and God, oh my God, that's, that rep- represents the worst dream I could ever have, you know, I mean, but, but, mm-hmm. but he's invested in it, you know, and, you know, it's a solitary existence to, to be so invested in yourself. I, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but I, I, th- no, I, and, yeah, I, I get it. And I do agree, but I just wanted to know what your take on like the music business I think you need to. I think you need to lo- learn everything you can know about the business itself. Mm-hmm. You know, to focus on the art, not knowing anything about the business, is kind of a dangerous existence. Especially if you want your art to be successful. You yeah. know, I do think it's a mistake to w- want the artist to be as successful. I think that happens as a result of great art. You know, yeah. so you know. It's these things that can make or break the human being. You know, if it's all about the ego of me, that that can be mm-hmm. a very dangerous thing for an artist. And we've all seen people, the greatest art- artists in the world, fall prey to that kind of thought, you know. Cool and all this. It's people. always okay to ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I grew up, like I said, with missionary parents and being in a religious world as a child, I definitely saw a lot of 
what I would call blind faith. So people that just believed everything that they were told but probably never actually read that much of the Bible themselves <laughs> or, you know, and didn't actually question and, and examine things. And I mean, I did a science degree. I'm, I've, I've been curious by nature my entire life and that's what I love. And that's probably why I ended up in this podcast because I just, I have so many questions. I don't think they're ever going to stop. But I, I've never understood how, and I, and I see people get hurt by it, by just blindly trusting and believing everyone around them and everything they hear without questioning and just seeking out truth rather than just believing. And that happens in the music industry, like you said, you know, people just sign a contract without reading it or just do my art and I'll find someone else to, you know, the business will take care of itself and that's how people get hurt and it happens and hopefully you learn from those mistakes as well. But And like I've, you know, I make mistakes like that as well. But it happens way too often, I find, in the music industry. Have you experienced much of that? Yeah, I, I would say that I've been a witness to it. I, mm. I've experienced some of it. You know, my own failure in music, unfortunately, uh, have been my own, and I own them completely. I, I probably have had more opportunity in music than any man should have or any person should have. You know, I was almost signed a recording contract at 14, and... Then I was mm-hmm. homeless between the ages of 15 and 21. I almost was signed to her. So what happened? You know, it was a family situation where I kind of had to run for my own survival, if you will. You know, at first, I, you know, I thought it was going to be something else. You know, I thought I, you know, almost kind of viewed myself as the hero of my own movie, if you will. <laughs> and, and yeah, everyone you know, does. <laughs> and every, you know, everything was going to work out great. And, you know, it was gonna, I was going to go on this so- sojourn and it turned out to be something other than that but but i do think it, it artistically i th- i think it gave me something that i treasure because it put me on the outside of the human existence if you will i mean i was a witness to life not a partaker in life or at least the life i was involved in wasn't was only partaking in my misery if you get it but but yeah. i was a witness to people you know, I, like at Christmas time when I was on the streets, you know, I could remember hanging out at, at, you know, near a mall, you know, and watching people on their way, you know, to and from the stores, you know, I, you know, and then, you know, so it gave me that observation of people kind of, you know, kind of imprinted on me how, how important belonging is. And then also what it takes to belong. You know, like sometimes, you know, when I came off the streets, as a great example, I, I don't think I'd ever been more than a dishwasher and probably the worst cook ever imaginable. But I did see what it took to succeed in business. And usually that started with a uniform, right? You know, you know, anyone will believe anyone and a crisp, you know, $1,000 or $5,000 suit, right? I mean, all of that debt. First impression. That's, that's, ex- that's exactly right. And it took and it took yeah. me into into commerce. It was these observations that also I think kind of I think crystallized my performances and what's most important to me when I when I sing a song, you know. And you yeah. know, I, I I think I try to put the emphasis on the listener, but you know, who do I have to be? Do I have to be the sad clown? You know, mm. do I have to be over the top? So you think I'm ridiculous? You know, these kind of choices we make as an artist. And I think that came out of those observations of observing people when I was on the streets. I love that. And I'm sorry to hear that you had to go through that as well. But at the same time, I love what you're creating and I love what you're doing. And that 
that is all influenced by everything you've been through, your pain and your misery, as well as your greatest joys. So I'm grateful that you feel like you, you've grown to be able to share that with us. Yes. Well, you know, you know what I like to say is, and I mean no offense, but they call my music, music for manic depressives or those who want to be. <laughs> it's probably why I like it so much. <laughs> well, thank you for joining the club. <laughs> Okay, all right. Tell me about your, your latest project. What's what's exciting you the most? What's coming up? Well, I'm about to release a song called I Don't Want to Cry for You Anymore. It's a rock tune uh, that I'm really proud of. It's coming out on the 22nd. And it features the guitarist Andy Wood, who's just power force on guitar. So that's a rock that's a yeah. rock tune that I'm coming out with on the 22nd. I'm really happy about that. We just released, I just... We just released a song that was written by Mike Garson, David Bowie's piano man again, yeah. uh, called, Lull- Lull- yeah, yeah. <laughs> called Lullaby for Our Daughters. That it was such a, I just love how they came out. And uh, so I'm currently working on my next releases and I've got about another 10 songs I'm going to be releasing over the next, I think, six or seven months. So, and an EP. That's amazing. And you're going to be performing anywhere? Where can people kind of hear you play live or you know, the, connect with I, you? You know, everyone, the live thing, as you know, has become a real big deal, especially with the COVID and the, you know. Yep. And, yeah. you know, everyone out here in Los Angeles, I mean, there's tours that are going to go on the road, then they're canceled. Even, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. kind of weary. So the plan is to go on the road later this year. I was just ready to go on the road a couple of years ago. I was doing some tune-ups. And then the, you know, mm-hmm. the pandemic hit and everyone had, it changed everyone's lives, unfortunately. And so many, everyone's and so many lives are lost, yeah. you know, and it's just a terrible thing. And so mm-hmm. I'm a little guarded to say, to give an a, a, exact date, but my team are, are focusing on live performances and doing some tune-ups and also some appearances out here in California and perhaps north up in Seattle and so on. Oh, that's exciting. I've got my, my brother-in-law's family's from Seattle. It's a beautiful space up there. If you like rain. I see pictures. <laughs> well, just just from the way that he speaks about it, like they have a farm and they've just been over there for a visit because I haven't been there since the COVID pandemic. And I, just the way they talk about it, you know, it makes, you know, when someone does that, they talk about their home in such a beautiful romantic way that it makes you want to visit. That's that's me in Seattle. Like I want to go there because of the way that he loves his home. Wow. So much. <laughs> well, I wish I could say that about Los Angeles, you know, <laughs> Los Angeles. Actually, do you know, yeah, I don't know about that it's, one. It's, 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 it's the, although it's warm, it also could be one of the coldest places on earth, you know, so. Really? Yeah. There you go. It's, it's a, it's a business town and everyone's going for it, you know, and, and, some people go for it and some people crawl on other people to go for it. So that's kind of Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting concept. But you know what? I've, I have speak, spoken to a lot of people from lots of different cities and I haven't had any romantic speech about LA yet from anyone. It's it's usually been more the be careful <laughs> when you come to LA speech. So yeah, and when it is. It's, I'm very wary. And when it is, it's usually, oh, yeah, I lived in LA once. God, I'm glad I don't live there. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how come you've stayed for so long? What What is it that's kept? Well, you there? if you want to be in the business, you got to be where the business is, and you know, and and in order to be 
to have access to the musicians I've had access to, mm. you know, it, it, it calls on me to be here, you know, plus my, my wife's mm-hmm. family is from here. She's got a long history from here and I'm a New Yorker actually, okay. you know, my history yeah. and, okay. you know, and I, of course I want to move back to New York, but I don't know if they'd have me. <laughs> You've changed too yes. much. <laughs> I'm sure they'd have you. Yeah, both places I'd love to visit. I'll have to do my comparisons after I get there. But thank you so much. I want to ask you one more question, and this is more to do with your inspirations. If you could collaborate with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why? All right, give me a second. That's okay. Choose wisely. Yeah, I know. It's a tough <laughs> one. I don't want you to get. I don't want to give you some you know, predictable answer. I got to say Ray Charles. I would have loved to sing with Ray Charles. I, you know, I've, I've known a lot of people that have knew him personally. I never got to meet the man himself. I've made music with people that were on his team that played with him. You know, I think when I was a young kid, there was one record that I played the grooves off and it was Ray Charles country record when he sang Georgia yeah, and uh, and I oh and I and I got to record Georgia with Tom Fowler who you know who played with Ray all those years yeah uh, those guys and did another version some of the brass section in his band are playing on it I haven't released it yet but yeah. Ray Charles I think he did so much he was you know he wasn't just a rhythm and blues guy he sang everything rock and roll mm. you know gospel everything so Ray Charles I think would be the one I love that that's beautiful. Well, that's all my official questions. I really appreciate you taking the time out to to chat to me about your music and what you're doing and why you do it and how you do it and all of that. Is there anything else you would like to share? I'm going to put your links to your socials and music so that people can follow you and try and find out as much as they can as well. Is there anything else you would like to share with everyone? Well, I appreciate, I, I appreciate that greatly. I, you know, I think it's, you know, I don't know about everyone out there, but these have kind of been tough times to be optimistic and you know with the with the pandemic and you know what's going on with this war and everything you know i know it's it hits artists particularly hard and and can suck the life out of our inspiration you know but i i think these are times where you know the world needs great music i i think about how imagine changed the world and so it's a time for great artists and great poets and great painters to provide salve for this, this, these terrible times. Yeah. We can put some joy into the world and remember that life is still going. Yep. Even when there's so much death around us. It's got to be lived. It's still spinning. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much. That was amazing. And I I look forward to sharing it with everyone. Thank you. I look forward to doing it again. Man, it was all right
Thanks for joining our songwriter Tris today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guest, please go to the website songwritertrists.com. Dr. Sun.